I'm just going to introduce the pastor for today. His name is Pastor John. He's been uh, speaking at our church on and off for the last couple months. Um, he has a ministry in Patterson, New Jersey, and is part of the CRC denomination, which we recently joined. Um, after his first time uh, speaking for us, he graciously asked, is there anything that you'd like me to talk about? And one of the things that I was, you know, hoping that he'd talk to us about, given his experiences, how to reach out to our neighborhood, how to overcome some of the challenges that come with being a part of a church like this, where people are coming from all over the place. So that's uh, one thing that he has been able to speak to us about, as well as discipleship. So with that, I'm going to ask Pastor John to come up, and then he's going to read the passage and give us a sermon for today. Well, good morning. It's um, good to be back with you again, and um, to be back with you in person. I think last month we were on Zoom. Uh, I, I, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a test a minute. Who, who remembers what I preached on a month ago? Oh. It was from Acts 2. Uh, about four characteristics of the early Christian church and how we can embed those characteristics not only internally but externally. Devotion to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Amen? So one example I gave you about prayer is not just prayer walking but praying for people when they tell you stuff. And so this morning I had, I had the opportunity to do that. After driving around and going to the wrong address and parking and then having to come to the right address, I finally just went in a parking lot and the customers before me had just exasperated the parking attendant. And he was just in such a flutter. I said, just gather yourself. Would you like me to pray for you? And there was a car waiting behind me and he said, yes. And we paused just for 30 seconds, just that's all just to, to pray God's peace into his life. I honestly, I don't even know his name, um, but, but it was just a, a beautiful, I, I just rejoiced in that, right? Because it's such a small thing, but, but the kingdom of God is in small things like mustard seeds that the Lord sprouts and grows. So I just thought I'd share with you that one opportunity I had to apply last month's sermon, amen? amen. And, uh, our, our text today is one that, that we all know so well, I think sometimes we don't know it. Um, you know, we read through scripture, but the question is, are we just getting through it or is it getting through us? Are we just getting through it, reading it, or is it reading us deep in, into our lives? And I think sometimes some text that we know so well we, 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 miss, we, we miss the point. So I'll give you another example. So then as I'm walking here, I passed a couple homeless folks sleeping on the sidewalk. And people would say, well, the par parable of Good Samaritan means that you've got to do something, right? So I could put money in their cup and feel better, what I call feel-good benevolence, or, or just pray for them silently as I walked by and think about the, the bigger challenges. And that's, that's what I did. So let's, let's hear the word of the Lord in Luke chapter 10. I'll begin at verse 25. 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he answered, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But, can you say but? It's a very important but. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these two, three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell among the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, uh, the, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we pray that you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to apply this scripture, this teaching of yours in our lives today. In your name we pray, amen, amen. So I, I hope you noticed why the expert in the law was engaging Jesus. He, he didn't want to hear what Jesus had to teach. He wanted to test him. He, he wanted, he, he wanted to, to put him to a test. And he, he certainly knew the, um, the Shema, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He certainly knew that text from, from Leviticus that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, he may have even heard Jesus give this summary of the law at some other time other time. But, but he, he was just wanting to get Jesus to say something that they could go at him with. You ever done that? You have professors, you know, you just like to go at him. That, that's, that, that, that was his coming. He was not coming, Jesus, I'm, I'm here, just teach me. No. He was coming to test them. And then even after he got the right answer, right? He got an A. What did he want to do? He, he wanted to, to justify himself. 
he, he, he didn't, he, he didn't want to uh, uh, apply it. He, he wanted to, to, to say, oh yeah, I, I do all that, right? I love God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and I love my neighbors as myself. I got it. He's got his ticket to heaven, amen? He's got his eternal life in, in his perspective. But Jesus wants to go below the surface here. And, and for us too, you know, what, what are the, the motives of our heart? In, in that time of, uh, of confession, one, one prayer I pray regularly is, is from the end of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and, and lead me in your way everlasting. Because my, my heart gets compromised. The default modes of our hearts are to try to justify ourselves. God, look what I've done. Look how good I am. A, a kind of a works righteousness. And that was his. And so Jesus then tells this story to, to pull him deeper in ways that I'm sure he, he didn't want to go. And maybe we don't either. Because for this man to say, I love my neighbor as myself, what his understanding was that is that my neighbor is are my neighbors are people like me. They're Jewish people. They're people of my race, they're people of my nationality, they're, they're my own people. You you recall one teaching of Jesus where, where he recounted a saying that was familiar in the Jewish community. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Amen? Jesus said that. So, so that was a saying that went around. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's, life is good. And Jesus said, no, I, I say, love, love your enemies. Love your enemies. What, what shapes our understanding of who our neighbor is. For this teacher of the law, his cultural heritage shaped it big time. What shapes ours? And so Jesus tells this story, this familiar story, about the robbers, about the man on the road. It was a 17-mile road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It was a dangerous road. Everybody knew that. So, so the context of the story was familiar to people. About the priest coming by, the Levite coming by. I mean, I couldn't stop to do anything with those homeless folks. I'm coming to church. But Jesus' shock value was the Samaritan. The Samaritan. You, you, you see, this teacher of the law and probably most of the people listening to Jesus not only did not like the Samaritans, they, they despised the Samaritans. They were a mixed race people. Yeah, oh, oh okay, yeah, I forgot you're doing that. Well, we're, we're good right there for a while. And, and they, they, they were a mixed race people and, and of Jewish and Assyrian 
And, and they, they not only didn't like him, they despised him. In fact, in the chapter before this, Jesus and his disciples went to a Samaritan village and they didn't welcome them. And James and John said, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven on them? Burn them up. Was that because they wouldn't welcome them? It was because it was they were Samaritans who wouldn't welcome them. You see the double standards we have? Jewish historian Josephus writes, the Samaritans were publicly cursed in synagogues and a petition was daily offered up praying to God that the Samaritans might not be part of eternal life. This is from a second century Jewish historian. And Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of the, the, the story. You know, he's... He, he's, he, he's like the Iron Man. You know, he's, he, he's, he's like the, the, the hero. And so when he asked, who was the neighbor? Did you notice that the expert in the law doesn't even say the Samaritan? He didn't, he didn't even want to call out his nationality. He says, it was the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. Now, I, I want to I wanna just, just help you feel the context here a little bit. So, I, um, I, I'm in a Tuesday men's group. And one of the guys in our group is Jewish. He, he grew up in Brooklyn. His grandparents escaped Nazi Germany right before they could with Hitler. And he grew up from his grandparents, from his parents, hating German people. He hated German people. Didn't matter who you were. If you were German, he hated you. Now, after he became a believer and a Christian, God changed that. But, but, but for, for him, the, the context would have been, your neighbor is the German people. Now, now take it, take it to, to Korean history. Maybe not you guys, but your parents or your grandparents. I, I, I've listened to elderly Korean folks tell me how they felt about the Japanese from the Japanese occupation. And what Jesus is saying is the Japanese are your neighbor. Or to those who are, are liberal Democrats, President Trump is your neighbor in conservative Republicans. Or if you're a conservative Republican, President Biden is your neighbor. Take that four-letter word about Biden flag down now. Because he's your neighbor. And so are the liberal Democrats. Your neighbor is the George Floyds and the Derek Chauvin, who was the police officer who murdered him. Your, our neighbors are both. David Duke and Al Sharpton, Kim Jong-un of North Korea and Vladimir Putin are our neighbors. My neighbor, Jesus is saying, is the person I would least expect to ever help me because of their race or their color or their religion or their political party or their gender or their sexual orientation or their attitudes or their beliefs. My neighbor is the person 
I usually intentionally avoid, ignore, judge, despise, consider myself better than, and perhaps even hate. He said, that's your neighbor. Why can't it just be people we like? You see, Jesus goes deep, amen? So when the expert in the law is asked, who is my neighbor? He was asking to determine the limits of who I'm responsible to love. And Jesus changes the focus to who acted as a neighbor. And then you will see that love knows no limit. And then Jesus makes that statement now, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. There it is, go. As, as, you, as you live your life, do, do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Likewise, love in the way that the Samaritan did to the man on the side of the road. Until we get the first part straight, we can't get to the second part. So the first part is our neighbor is the Samaritan, not the guy on the side of the road. Now go and do likewise. Go and do how the Samaritan did on the side of the road. And just to pull a few distinctions out of the text, the, the, they, they all saw the man. The text says the priest saw him, the Levite saw him, the Samaritan saw him. But the difference is the priest and the Levite saw him and moved from him. The Samaritan saw him and went to him. Now, now we, we live in a world where we can see every need of the world on our phone. If you're like me sometimes, maybe you just turn off the news, right? or we can become calloused, or we can say it's just too much, there's too much brokenness, there's too much suffering, there's too much injustice. And, and that's a very real temptation. It was real then, it's real in our time. But the go and do likewise means that we move from seeing toward the person toward the human being who is our neighbor, toward, toward the challenges that exist in our world. And, and, and the text says, I think that my translation here is that, that he took pity on it. But, but the, the, the Greek, the, the Greek is, a, is a much more vivid word. It's, it's like splangizomai. It's like his gut. It got him in the gut. His, his heart went out. He was touched. He was touched. When we go for a physical or anything, or if you go to the hospital, what's the first thing? They, they, they check your vital signs, right? How's your heart? How, how's your heart for your neighbors? Is it beating? Is it at a healthy beat? Or does it need a jump start? Notice that the Samaritan did not help out out of obligation, out of guilt, or just to get the panhandler away from your car. I, I'll confess, I've given people something just to get rid of them. It's, it, it's not a great motivation. 
and I'm not really loving my neighbor as myself. But he saw, he cared, and, and he responded. And, and this, is, this is a love that goes beyond handouts. He, he went beyond writing a check, beyond donating food, beyond serving in the soup kitchen. He did what was necessary for this man to be fully restored, to, 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 to be made whole. And, and so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the limits here a little bit, but you, you, you with me? Okay, you give me a little feedback, it helps. There's, there, there's a Chinese proverb that perhaps you've heard. Give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach him to fish, and he eats for a lifetime. Who's heard that? Okay, that's really only half the proverb. The other half is ensure that the stream isn't, ensure that he has access to the stream, and ensure that the stream isn't polluted. There it is, yeah. So you, you, you teach a man how to fish, and, and, and he, he, he can't get access to the stream, it does no good. You, you give him access to the stream and the stream is polluted with poisonous chemicals and he and his family are gonna die. So I, I, wanna, I wanna let Jesus' story here of, of this parable take us beyond charity to empowerment and advocacy and justice. Let's just put that little chart up. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He, he put the man on his own donkey. The next day he, he advocated for him. And, and then he even said, I'm going to take care of him even after I return. Someone asked about my um, massacre's Dawn Treader, and Dawn Treader is one of the ships in the Voyage of Dawn Treader of C.S. Lewis series, but I wear it because it's the name of the last Christian school in Patterson. So I've been, I've been working with, with kids for 40 years in our city, right? And, and we do all kinds of ministries with kids and that's good, but then they're going to a broken public school system. And so we might teach them about the Lord and, and, and you know, help some small things, but what they need is, is, is advocacy or, or, or justice in education. And you might say, well, you ought to be advocating in the public school system. And, and I used to try, and I'm sorry, I just got so frustrated. So this is the alternative I pursue. Right? To, to, to try to take this from just ministering or mentoring to, to one kid in the neighborhood to seeing that they get a just and an adequate education so they can succeed in life. And, and that's one small way I try to do it. Think with me, with, with, with a couple others. Think, think about our healthcare system. Years ago, I was um, in Sierra Leone, West Africa, and came home and got malaria. I shared my anti-malaria pills with my friend. I told him it's his fault. <laughs> but what struck me the most was that at, at that time, that was 2005, for the lack of like 
four Malaron pills from Walgreens, a million children a year were dying. A million. A, 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 a million. How do we go and do likewise beyond just caring for one sick person? Oh, let's go to the, go, go to that, the healthcare one. Yeah. Or, or let's take another one. Let's take the criminal justice system. Why is it that our prisons are full of, of black and brown people? It's an important question to ask. Is there justice in our criminal justice system? A young African-American man whose family was a member of our church was involved in, in a murder 30 years ago. He got 30 years to life. I'm advocating for him now. He's still at East Jersey State Prison, Rollway. I'm advocating for him now that, that, that he can be released. He's been a model inmate. And, and many individuals who have done much less, he didn't even pull the trigger, have been, have been released, but it takes advocacy. Or, or think about housing, right? Folks are sleeping on the street. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's tragic, but, but many are struggling for, for, for adequate housing. How, how do we even, how do we even meet, meet that need? We can... We, we can feed the homeless. We can work with the, the, the relief bus. In, in, in our area, northern New Jersey, for 30, probably 35 years, we organized during the winter with one of our missions, that Good Shepherd Mission, to do an overflow shelter. So a church would take 10 guys once a week. We had seven churches as, as a way to do that. Um, but, but the deeper issues of affordable housing for, for the poor, for, for those who are working. Or, or take immigration and refugees. That's been so much in, in, in the news where, where we see millions. Um, last month when my granddaughter was here, we visited Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty. My grandparents came through Ellis Island in 1910, coming from the Netherlands. And... Today, how many people don't want to come to the United States? You know, we, 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 we watch the Border Patrol officers sort of whipping Haitian immigrants trying to cross. And I understand their frustration too. What do we do with this? Churches have sponsored families. In, in Fort Dix, New Jersey, right now, there are 11,000 Afghan refugees. Just two hours from here. Some churches are beginning to organize to reach out to them there, but is the opportunity going to come to be able to sponsor them, to, to love deeply? We can't do everything, but, but we, can do, we can do something. And finally, let, let me just say a word, a, a word about this related to race, because that, that, that too has been so critical these last few years. Two books that have really helped me in kind of grappling with some of these challenges of, of racial justice. One by David Swanson, just looking at how, how the church has enacted injustice racially.
for years in the United States. And the other forcing me to look at myself as a white person. And why are white people so fragile in this when, when we talk about these things? So I believe this call to justice, to go beyond the handout, we, 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 we see it in the parable where, where the Samaritan does first aid. He does the CPR. He then empowers the man. He puts him on his beast. He, he advocates for him. And, and then he provides justice until he is fully recovered. And let's just go to the next, go to the next slide. Yeah, just leave, leave it right there. And, and because in these images, we see what God does for us. You know, Jesus didn't come just to make us a little nicer and, and kinder. I, the, the whole random act of kindness movement, I, part of me likes it, part of me doesn't. Because our acts of kindness should not be random, they should be intentional, right? The, the, the Lord didn't come just to do random acts of kindness. Oh, here, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. He, he came to change us from the inside out, to empower us with his Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to advocate for us. And we're told Jesus even now is interceding for us and, and to enact justice as Jesus died. It, it took for us to get right with God it, it took Jesus giving his life, going the whole way. That's the gospel. The heart of God is a God of justice that's directed at restoring each and every human being and the whole of creation from the brokenness of sin. We get to do this in little ways now that are part of the big picture of Revelation 21 when all things will be made new. I love this verse from Psalm 85. Um, Love and faithfulness meet together. Justice and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and justice looks down from heaven. We live in this reality of a connection with God, not just getting to heaven after we die, but getting the resources of heaven to us where we live here and now. And then being the body of Christ, the people of God that the Lord releases into the world, into New York City, into your boroughs, into your school systems, into your sports teams that your kids are, are, are playing on, into your places of work, in, in, into your, 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 your building or, or neighborhood, neighborhood groups. Go and do likewise. God's justice and God's righteousness are here and now and to live in that. Go and do likewise. Go and, and do it. In the midst of the magnitude of the brokenness, of the injustice, of the needs, discern where the Lord would have you focus. That's what I do. One area is in a Christian school. And there are some others as well. Open your eyes to see what the Lord wants you to see and discern. But don't stop with just charity. Don't stop with just the, 
the, the, the handout or even empowerment, but go the whole way to advocacy and, and justice. Go personally, go congregationally. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Amen? And my challenge to you would be to do something deep rather than a lot of things superficially. And the Lord will equip and empower you with all you need to do this as the God of justice and the power of the Holy Spirit, as you are united with Christ to be able to love your neighbor as yourself and go and do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, in obedience to you, we wait for you to make all things new. And until that day, we wait but not as passive bystanders. Transform us into alert and active justice seekers. Show us where and how you are moving so we can join you in what you are already doing ahead of us, despite us, for us. Open our eyes to see who you are so we catch your spirit and see others for who you created them to be. Lord, we long for justice. Teach us not to seek quick fixes, but to work for transformation. Forgive our arrogance and help us to listen to you and one another. Restore your kingdom and our lives, neighborhoods and world, so that we may know you more, trust you more, and serve you more fully fully. Fill us with renewed strength so that we are drawn into your justice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.